You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Music lovers, and welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and I am here with my awesome co-hosts, A-Dubs, or Anthony, we should say. What's up? <laughs> Rob, how you doing? Sup? And Stephanie. Hello. Awesome. So this week, our topic is songs that we like by artists that we don't like. Last week, we talked about artists that we love, but maybe a bad album or bad song that they did this week we're going to kind of flip it a little bit and talk about songs that we actually like by bands that we don't like necessarily but first i want to dip into the mailbag we got a couple of things this week um and stephanie the first one Mm -hmm. you got so why don't you why don't you read it to us this is from my friend james higgins who we lovingly know as higgs And he writes, great show, cool topic, but spilt milk? No! CCR's Mardi Gras gets my vote. Terrible album by one of my fave bands. Other than Someday Never Comes, it's just blech. (laughs) Even Fogarty's two other contributions to the record are just meh. Keep up the good work, Steph and company. Thank you, Higgs. We love you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening, Higgs. And thanks for taking the time to comment. Okay, and also this week uh, we got an email from uh, a new listener, William Lamond, and he he writes. Um, he's got a couple of things here. There's a couple of questions that I'm gonna so I'm gonna break this up into like three parts so that we can address each part separately. So he writes, "Hi, musicologists. I know next to nothing technical about music, and one of my most disappointing experiences was trying to get something out of written musical discussion about music I've never heard. By contrast, I loved killer B-sides. Even when I didn't know some of the songs you mentioned, it was fun and educational. I didn't know there were so many good songs that somehow got squeezed out of albums. Podcasting has effectively brought back the days of radio shows. Variety, drama, discussion, and games. So, thank you, William. That's cool. That's really, really nice to hear. And I'm glad you enjoyed the show, and I'm glad that you got something out of it, even from songs that maybe you hadn't heard before. And I hope that it inspires you to go and seek out some of these songs and give them a listen. So, he has a couple of questions also. The first one is, do you see any possibility of uh, a resurgence of paired songs like the B-sides. I know buying individual songs is a thing on streaming platforms. So what do you think? Is is the B-side phenomenon kind of non-existent anymore in the world of streaming? I mean, every song is its own individual identity now. I think in the world of streaming, maybe, but there's also, you know, there's a huge resurgence of vinyl. So yeah. People can totally put yeah. out B-sides still. I think what we tend to see now, rather than B-sides, is tracks that are held over for a deluxe edition. Yes. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so maybe you have to buy the CD or you have to buy the vinyl to get those tracks. But rather than 
I mean, I think the industry's just moved away from the concept of singles. Yeah. But the deluxe version is taking its spot with those mm-hmm. additional tracks. Right. And and what you see, particularly with major artists, is that you have the core album and then you have the Target exclusive, which has one set of bonus tracks and then the Best Buy edition, which has a completely different set of bonus tracks. So you have to just keep buying. It makes me so mad. <laughs> And finally, he says, by the way, the only music I make any time for on its own intentionally is funny music from such acts as The Arrogant Worms and, of course, Weird Al. I need a steady supply of comedy for health reasons. I don't expect you to ever focus on it, though, because novelty songs have always been a tiny niche. Well, Bill, I have good news for you. I don't know when we'll get to it, but we do have novelty songs on our list of uh, possible upcoming topics. So we will try to put that. We've got a a number of things already scheduled out for the next few weeks, but we'll try to get to novelty songs as soon as we can just for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to email. If anybody else has any comments or questions for us, just drop us a line at modernmusicology1 at gmail.com. Or just leave a comment any place that you see our posts or where you find your podcast. Okay, so what has been in everybody's ears, eyes, or I was going to say noses, but that's weird. What have you been listening to or reading or watching this week? Anthony, take us away. Well... It has been a lot of the New Watch Enemy albums still. I mean, the last time we recorded, that came out on the Friday. We recorded on the Sunday, so I'd only had three days to sit with it. So that's been on heavy rotation. Um, I probably got some weird looks in the airport lounge at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday as I was heading um, heading up to North Carolina on business as I was sitting there just quietly banging my head to this album. Um, beyond that, it's been... <laughs> It's been a lot of kind of comfort songs. Um, Some of the old favorites, a fair amount of Sparks, a fair amount of Marillion, Porcupine Tree. In all honesty, I didn't sleep that well on my trip. And so I fell back to songs that I just felt very comforted by. So nothing particularly new, nothing groundbreaking from me. Um, Just an album I was already listening to last week and songs I've been listening to for months and months and months. Nice. Sometimes you just need comfort songs. That's all there is to it. That's a topic we should address sometime. So, Rob, what have you been listening to? Um, well, i got a couple different things. I want to start with um, the documentary Woodstock 99. Damn it, you stole mine. I'm kidding. You go um, right ahead. It's really, really fascinating. I'm sure we can take a deeper dive into this later. Um, I would love to. But it's really fascinating. Um, it is a microcosm of everything about 90s music um, in one little thing. It also confirmed a lot of things that I thought about a lot of people. Uh, so that's that's amazing. You should just watch that. Even if you don't necessarily like like indie music or alternative music or whatever, if you just are a fan of documentaries, as a documentary alone, it's terrific. So we want to recommend, recommend that. Also, I have started, we're going to be getting uh, knee-deep in drumming soon on the next couple shows. I have started uh, both of the Stephen Morris um, biographies, the drummer from New Order, uh, play, record, pause is the first one. And what's interesting is of the guys in New Order and Joy Division, Peter Hook and Bernard Sumner have both put out books. But Stephen Morris's, I think, is kind of more down the middle and kind of more where everything really sort of went. Um, he's also got a better writing style and it's a little more um, 
about you know feelings and emotions and the band and it's it's a little it's got a little more meat to it so i, I highly recommend that and then music wise uh 20 years ago this week interpol i can't even believe it's freaking 20 years ago but interpol released uh turn on the bright lights 20 um, years ago yeah and as the <sighs> first dj in america to play them um i am absolutely floored that it's been 20 years but i listened to it again this week and it um it still sounds amazing um, you can still hear I mean, it drips of post-punk like crazy, but it's still pretty great. Uh, so I recommend that. And then uh, also, Stephanie, I'm waiting for you to listen to these these guys, uh, the Reds, Pinks, and Purples. Uh, Glenn Donaldson has been in a bunch of bands, and he records a new song about every four days, literally. But he's got a new, new EP out called They Only Wanted Your Soul, and his voice is interesting. I can't place it. It's somewhere between... It's a little Matthew Sweet, it's a little Lloyd Cole, and a little Stephen Merritt Ooh. sort of all put together in Robin Hitchcock's studio. That's kind of what it is. That sounds like my jam. It's 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 really, yeah, but he's got a new EP out. Um, he makes a record every bunch of weeks. So the best way to follow him is on Bandcamp because everything is there. Um, he's, on, he's on the other stuff too, but it's on um, Slumberland. It's amazing. Another band on Slumberland I like is the Janines. Just a really great all-girl rock and roll um, sort of fuzz bands. So if you're a fan of like Lush or even the Throwing Muses or Belly, uh, they're your jam. Uh, Don't Wait for a Sign is the record. And then lastly, every year I get excited. Um, they put out a CD every year called PDX Pop and Pop Now. And it's basically a compilation of bands from Portland. Uh, this is the 19th one. And it's it's just Bands from all different genres all over the place. So you put it in, you don't know what you're going to get next. And it's always bands you may not have necessarily heard of because they're not heavily signed. Uh, but this one's got Luna Negra on it, Sun Adams, The Fur Coats, uh, Phone Voice. Uh, I like that one a lot. But they put it out every year. So if you can find these and track them down, they're great. Uh, PDX Pop Now. It's a really great series. If you just like power pop, if you like indie rock, or even if you like you know other forms of, of music, it's all in there. And um, it's a way that you can absorb the sounds of Portland without having to pay Portland prices or deal with the attitude. So there you go. Well, that all sounds awesome. Steph, what's been in your ears or eyes? I'm glad Rob had a lot of things because Anthony and I had like have like one thing each or whatever. (laughs) But uh, so it seems like in the last few podcasts, I've either been talking about Jax or Danielle Lenoir, which is like there there couldn't be more polar opposites. So this week I'm going to go on the Daniel Lenoir track. And um, he released another single from his uh, album that's coming out in September, which is called Player Piano. And the song's called Inverness. And it's another beautiful piano, you know, track that's, I wanted to pull it up. What he said, um, he said it was born from a string of improvisations that he edited together. So I guess, you know, he, it's sort of imagined out of that. And it was just really, it's sort of like a time travel song. And you feel like you're transporting to another universe when you listen to it. Well, that's how I felt anyway. So I highly recommend that. And that's pretty much the only thing I've been listening to this week. I mean, that's new, you know. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, Rob kind of a little bit stole my thunder. Uh, I didn't know anybody else had watched that this week. So I had a couple of things that I was going to talk about this week. But then this afternoon, I watched the new Netflix Woodstock 99 docuseries. And holy smokes, what an intense watch. 
I mean, this is like mob rule to an animalistic level. And I know that some of this is skewed a little bit because you only have an hour and a half, basically. It's, well, no, maybe about two hours. It's uh, three episodes that are about 45 minutes each. Um, and they have a particular story that they want to tell. I know that there's a lot of experiences from people who are concert goers at Woodstock 99 that didn't see all of the negative. And this documentary focuses on the negative, but holy shit, what an absolute, I was going to say a train wreck. That is abs- the, the, the title of the series train wreck. Um, and I mean, when it just devolves into chaos and anarchy, like to the point of like bombed cars lying flipped over in the mud and uh, tankers with like gasoline tanks on the back that have exploded and them ripping down like these massive lighting trusses and all this kind of stuff. It's just insane. It's, it is, it's kind of hard to watch actually. And I am thankful that I wasn't there. It sounds so totally unpeaceful. (laughs) Right. And I have an awful lot more to say about it. So maybe sometime Mm -hmm. we can all watch it and do a, deep dive on that as an episode because i would love to tackle that moving on from that we are going to take a very quick break uh we got a little ad to play so in 30 seconds we will see you in again and we will get into our main topic so be back in just a second i'm mark mccray the author of the best saturdays of our lives and if you're not listening to our podcast then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Clink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. All right, welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking around. We have got a great topic tonight. We are going to be talking about Good songs, songs that we really like by artists that maybe we don't really like. And this is something for me that goes back quite a long time. I remember, um, I don't remember the year that it came out, but I was never a big Huey Lewis in the News fan. I just didn't like them. I'm so sorry. Um, and I'm sure that some of their stuff, like album cuts or whatever, are have some merit but all i ever heard was what was on the radio like the the stuck on you and all that Ugh, i just can't stand it but there was one song that i heard and i thought oh that's not too bad that's actually pretty good and it's called jacob's ladder and that's it was, a good song it was written by bruce hornsby and i thought oh well that explains why it's a huey lewis song that i actually kind of like <laughs> so i ever since then i've been really interested in this topic of finding songs that you like in an in a like as an oasis in a desert of some artists that you just can't stand so i'm interested in hearing what all you all have put on your list i'm i'm really excited to get some examples from you so who wants to kick it off so as i was thinking through this there are two or three bands that my generation seems to absolutely love and i can't quite figure out why one of them I could not think of a single song that I like, and that's Weezer. Sorry. <laughs> yes. yes. Nice. The other one is Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
who thank you no (laughs) i don't love um i don't particularly hate them either um i just don't get them for the most part however there is one song on their californication album that i really love and that's other side it just has a really great bass line that's not too complex you know flea can flea does flea sometime other side is is a really good bass line but it's it's one i can play along to if i want to pick up my bass and so that's my first nomination sorry weezer you you still have nothing for me (laughs) (laughs) my first pick is um paula abdul's promise of a new day because i feel like i don't hate paula abdul but i'm not you know all about mc scat cat and all those kind of whatever those songs she had when she was you know straight up and all that um but promise of a new day was so is so catchy and so just single you know it's so easy to sing along to and has really great melody i think it's a it's just uh put together really well and i think it's a you know it actually has a, a strong hook And, um, you know, I think she's very talented in so many ways. You know, she's an amazing choreographer. She's an amazing dancer. I just don't think singing was her super strong point. But um, Promise of a New Day, I would love that any day of the week. And actually, I was outside bird watching last week, and I had that on. I played it like 10 times in a row. You you know, I'm kind of in the same boat on on Miss Paula. Mm -hmm. And all I know of her is the radio songs. Um, and I don't really care for any of them except the way that you love me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a great little like pop funk tune. It had such a really good beat to it. And the vocals weren't challenging to the point where she didn't sound good singing them, you know? So I, I'm with you on that one. I actually have a Paula Abdul song on my list as well. And yeah. I do really like straight up. Um, okay cool <laughs> maybe it was the time in my life it, it got very heavy rotation when i was in coming to the end of a super short but super intense relationship wow so the whole caught in a hit and run thing felt yeah. very real to me at the time and then those oh oh oh's are just so damn catchy so well i, I anthony, have a lot of affection for straight up anthony all i have to say to you about that is Rob sighing. I will see your Paula Abdul and raise you a Martika. Oh, Martika. Uh, yeah, with toy soldiers. Um, bless her heart. If she would have broke five years later, she would have been huge. Um, and if she would have had a label that sort of worked her records better, um, probably would have had a much bigger uh, career than she did have, but she released a single called Toy Soldiers that was kind of like, kind of sad and um, melancholy and really showed like a different sort of side of her because at that point she'd done these sort of like teen pop light kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll throw that in. I don't mind that song at all. Yeah, it's nice. it is the only thing about Martika that I know, I know. at all. Well, I, I am with Anthony on the Chili Peppers, except mine is Fight Like a Brave. Um, mainly because of the percussion on it. Um, so I, I do like that. 
and I guess we'll get the guns out now. So Stephanie will just look at me and just, this is the, the Stephanie disowns me segment of the segment of the show. Um, the first one is radio radio by Elvis Costello. Um, wow. I just don't get Elvis Costello and he almost broke up the pokes. So, um, I'm still mad about that. Like a rolling stone by Bob Dylan. You don't like Bob Dylan too much. Huh? I don't, I, if I read him, he's great, but yeah. I, if he's and the electric stuff, I can listen to much more, but I just, I don't get it. And part of it might be too that I know a lot of really incredibly annoying people that love Bob Dylan. So to be fair, that could be it. But yeah, hmm. those are two. A couple curveballs though. One is, and I have no idea why this record is in my record collection. I'm guessing it came from a record label as a gift and I, as a gag gift, and I just sort of kept it. Um, but uh, new thing by Enough Z Enough. Uh, which go into the radio show for bands that have spelled their names stupidly. Um, Enough's enough. I would never, ever have thought of. That is I know. hilarious. The other one, too, is, you know, I did not hate Dance Hall Days. It was not a terrible record. <laughs> but to live and die in L.A. and that whole soundtrack by Wang Chung is, like, far above anything else their career ever did. And everything after that was just, like, epic greek tragedy of horribleness right um so to live and die in la is is terrific uh i like that a lot two other quick ones i've got more but we'll get to them later stephanie knows about this because we talked about it a couple weeks ago um they were working outside of my house for a week next door and it was like the only construction team i've ever seen that was obsessed with like 90s dance pop like i heard the hathaway i heard the culture beat I heard like everything, right? Um, I heard everything you might expect in that genre. But then they got on this Roxette kick, right? And um, I forgot that you, the Joyride by Roxette has got such a weird little hook in it that in terms of being a pop record, um, say what you want about them, right? They're all about writing the hooks. Their songs are terrible, but they have the hooks and they make earworms. So, um, I am going to put that one in there um, just because. And then the other one is uh, Classic Girl by Jane's Addiction. I think, you know, the first album I don't, or that, that album before it, that one is fine, but Ritual De La Habitual just got on my nerves, I think, because like the Chili Pepper record, it was just everywhere and you couldn't escape it. And Classic Girl sounds so incredibly different from them. It's long, it's got some depth and some texture, and it's got a little substance to it. Um, so, yeah. I'm crying because of Jane's addiction and Julie <laughs> Piper's guys, but whatever. Okay. Can I can I play off here the Elvis Costello thing? Because interestingly enough. Are we still friends? Yes. Oh, we're always friends. Okay. But, um, you know, we can ba- duke it out just, you know, with song. <laughs> I, don't want Bob, I don't want Bob coming at me with a knife. <laughs> He's not going to cut you. Okay. This album that I'm going to talk about was actually completely written by Elvis Costello. Can, does that give anyone a hint? Hint, hint, anyone? Nope. I can okay. think of a couple that he contributed to. Now, this whole album was written okay. by him and also um, Kate from, from Pogues. Um, but mo- many of the songs were just strictly written by him. And um, this is Wendy James's album called um, Now Ain't the Time for Your Tears, which is... So my the song that I like and love actually love off that is called This Is a Test. Um, I could kind of get with London's Brilliant and Basement Kiss. Now I am saying this only because 
the songs themselves are so good, but Wendy James just can't sing very well. And that's cool <laughs> in some instances, but like, I don't think when you're doing an Elvis Costello written album that you shouldn't be able to sing it very well. I think you need to know, to sing well to do that. And she has a punk thing about her. I get it. You know, I do understand that. I just don't think I, I would, I always wanted to do a, a cover of that entire, entire album. Just calling it now <laughs> is the time for your tears and just redoing the whole thing. You know, <laughs> wow. terrible though. <laughs> Stephanie, I can't remember the last time I talked about Transmission Vamp to another human being. But those those Transmission Vamp records that she made, yeah. right, those totally worked because she didn't have to necessarily sing. She right. kind of purred and whined yeah. and snarled her way through them, right? right? She was kind of like, you know, part Chrissy Hind, part Runaways. And right. it kind she's of worked. definitely got a real good front vibe, yeah. Well, that worked. That, that worked, worked in the context of a band and not having, you know, yes. you, can, you can hide it, right? Yes. I think, you know, with that record, I I think the one because I remember that I remember when I would get promos for this that the label was like expecting that record to explode. I know, and I think part of it is that record got taken away from her. I think the record that she made and the record that she ended up making are two different things. Mm. Um, it doesn't condone it. Not but quite again, possibly, though, yeah. I, again, you know, when you have an Elvis Costello song, you should kind of at least, I don't know, maybe talk to Elvis Costello and say, how did you imagine this in your head or something? And it's such a disconnect from I think everything so too. else. And she just really can't sing it well to, to make those beautiful songs beautiful, I feel. It's, it's not, it's not in a, and, but this is a test is great because it's sort of a punky, you know, whatever. Yeah, and that comes and, off. Okay. Wendy James is not somebody that should try to be sing nice songs. Right. Right. It doesn't, she does not, her voice doesn't I mean, lend well to that. I mean, it, it might, it, part of the reason Amy Winehouse works so well is that her songs weren't all nice and happy. And that was fine. You didn't mind. But Wendy James has this like reputation for being, you know, really angry and pissed off and don't mess with me. And then she's trying to be soft and cuddly and it exactly. doesn't work. Perfectly it doesn't encapsulated. Work. Yep. Yep. All right. I, kind of have a punky one that fits is the third band my generation inexplicably seems to love uh which is the offspring um i may get some hate mail for this Uh, sorry i i it it just has to be done i mean come on guys original prankster really but one song that they did do that i really loved is a song called gone away which when they're actually writing about soulful stuff it proves they can be good. They Dexter Holland from The Offspring wrote this song after I forget whether she was his girlfriend, his fiance, or his wife, but she died in a car crash. And the whole song is basically, you know, about carrying on after someone that close has gone away. Wow. And you know, you can hear the hurt as he is singing slash shouting these lyrics. And for me it 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 means something because it's real. Whereas their a lot of their other songs don't really have that edge, particularly their later material. So for me, again, I don't get the appeal of them for the majority of stuff. No shade to anyone who really loves them, but Gone Away, fantastic song. Yeah. I was going to talk about Mariah Carey because anybody who knows me knows of my, dis- I'll say deep dislike for her. 
Um, we were partly, for a reason. And partly because when I didn't have a great experience working with her, I might've talked about that in a, oh, yes. another podcast, but, um, but wow. Her first song vision of love. I mean, God, that is a great song. It is sung so amazingly. And she co-wrote it. Um, I, I just, uh, I can't understand how it went so wrong for me with her after that, but I just, uh, I don't like anything she's done after that, truthfully. I really don't. But that song, I is again, I could listen to it like 50 times in a row and not get sick of it. So Mariah Carey, um, you're going to all flip out when I say that. This is almost like a guilty pleasure song, but I just was like, no, because Lionel Richie, I really don't like Lionel Richie as a solo artist, but Endless Love, I love <laughs> You know, wow. <laughs> and it is Diana Ross singing with him. So like that's sort of a half, but like that song is so great. If you listen to it, if you like really listen to it too, the, I find the really interesting thing about that song is they're singing. I know a lot of that must have been rehearsed time and again so that they can get a lot of those parts in sync, but a lot of those parts aren't in sync and you wouldn't notice it if you're first listening to it but if you pick it apart you'll see that like he'll end a phrase and she'll hold it for like another second or two and vice versa and whatever they're kind of singing off but it it is so amazing as a whole so that is a real almost a guilty pleasure song but i i think it can fit into this category of the um, show. i used to close my sets at the limelight with that at like oh, yeah. 4 30 in the morning Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the records I used just because it was so counterbalanced of everything else. Um, Cause you always want to sort of play a get the hell out of here song. That's so frightening <laughs> and terrible that gets everybody, but then people would start to sing along and you're like, so you're onto something. Right. Um, and it does have that sort of schmaltzy thing going on. I think that got played at every high school dance I went to in mm-hmm. 1986 and 1987. Right. And um, it's it's got, I mean, say what you want about it. The singing on it, though, is fantastic. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Can I sure. can I piggyback on um, artists that you don't really like as solo artists? Um, so I don't really like anything any of the Spice Girls did after the Spice Girls, with one notable exception. Um, and that was Melanie C putting out Never Be the Same Again, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenal track. Um, I I guess I kind of like these kind of love songs. And that one is, you know, the whole thing is I thought we would just be friends. It became more and things will now never be the same again. It's got a really good groove to it. The yeah. rap from Lisa Left Eye Lopez, I think, works mm. really, really well as well. And... I don't know. It's almost a guilty pleasure, except I'm I'm not sure I feel guilty about it yeah. <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. I think it's just a really solid track. So going in a completely different direction uh, from that, um, oh, man, this is the part where Alan just stabs me. So I've taken a deep dive in the last week and a half into Hawaiian music because um, I, I found some at a dumpster. And it, it reminded me of how incredibly irritating a lot of the records by Don Ho are. 
But Tiny Bubbles, in every way, shape, or the form, is just pure pop. It's so stupid and great and dumb that you can't help but like it. And it, you know, it does the basic thing that a record is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel great. It's separate because it's just a pop record, right? It has nothing to do with taking the indigenous music of his country and making it into schmaltz, right? But it's all really pure pop. It's like, you know, manufactured pop sugarness, right? It sounds like a Brill, a Brill building song recorded in Honolulu. Also, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Seal, but I think Crazy still has some kind of density to it. I don't know. I, I know his voice is good, but I think it's the production on it. There's just a, um, a dense sound in that record that uh, keeps the pacing going, and uh, it really works. It's kind of um, it's kind of dark, but it's also got a groove to it. You know, it's like got a really good worn groove on that record that really works. I want to I want to jump on the Mariah Carey thing. Visions of Love is a phenomenal song, and that vocal is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's outrageous. There, yeah, there are. I, I'm not a fan of of Miss Mariah, but there are other songs of hers that I do like. I I, I really love Dream Lover, and um, Emotions is pretty good. There's a couple of other ones, but Vision of Love is is uh, you're absolutely right. It's a phenomenal track. Um, I do have a couple that I sort of like inherited from my partner. So my partner and I have very different musical interests. We do have some crossover. Like we've been to a couple of heart concerts together and things like that. But for the most part, we we are very different listeners. And after nearly 13 years together, we have sort of absorbed some of each other's, you know, tastes and, and styles and stuff. There are a couple of artists like Shania Twain. I just don't have much appreciation for. I just don't care for her. And uh, but there is one song that I think is a really great song. It's a love song called Still the One. And it is so good. It is so well-written. And uh, the vocal on it is really nice. And so I I'm all about that song. And that's kind of become like our song. It's so sweet. And then another one is, um, another biggie is Taylor Swift. Now, I would never have had a, a, an appreciation for Taylor Swift had we not been together for, you know, over 12 years. And even then it was, it didn't really come that easily because she's just not my thing. You know, she's just not in my realm of, of anything that I would really listen to. A couple of songs that got played in the car as we were driving somewhere um, started to catch my ear and I thought, okay, that's not too bad. There's state of grace, which is the opening song on her uh, red album. And it's a great song. And so I started to like that one, but shake it off. I swear to God, that song just <laughs> grabbed me. And when I first started hearing it, I thought, okay, that's not bad. I kind of like this. This isn't horrible. But what really sold me on it was at the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special. They did an after show. Like they always go to, like they always have a party after each episode. And uh, for the big anniversaries, it's a big to do because everybody is there. And so at this after party, there's Taylor Swift. They just put a band together and they just jammed. And there was a clip of Taylor Swift playing Shake It Off 
with Paul McCartney on bass and Fallon <laughs> on guitar, Jimmy Fallon on, on guitar. And I don't remember who was playing drums, but it was, was somebody. Wasn't it Dave Grohl? I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think it was Dave Grohl. So, so Dave Grohl on drums. And and it just sort of like stripped away all the pop production and turned it into just a good rock song. And I wow. thought, this is really cool. And so that's really where, you know, I, I yeah. now have an, I don't like everything she's done, but I do have an appreciation for Taylor Swift as an mm-hmm. artist, as a person. And that's really the thing that, Mm-hmm. Pushed it over the edge for that's her. cool. I, I would, I need to see that now. I have to go yeah, find and, that. And that. Yeah, that you sounds know, amazing. The last time I went looking for it, I couldn't find it. So, mm-hmm. I'll if I find it and I see that it's available, I'll, I'll share it with y'all. And that is where she met the guys from the National, which ended up helping her work on her later records. Mm. So, I, can I go with, uh, with a couple of older um artists? No, like not older, but I mean, just like. From the from for God's sake, I went with I went with Don Ho. You're, you're great. <laughs> okay. Good point. That's true. Once All right, Don so Ho I'm is gonna... on the table. Anything is fair. <laughs> All right, first I'm going to go with Jefferson Airplane. Go no, you are Dallas. not. Yeah, no, sorry. you are not. I am I'm going there. Are we still friends? <laughs> As you say, we will always be friends. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't really get them, and and also. But yeah, I don't know. They kind of freak me out. But the, and so does Go Ask Alice. That kind of freaks me out too. But there's something about it, just the way that whole song builds. I just, I totally love it and appreciate it. And I don't know what the hell she's talking about, but whatever. Okay, that's one. James Gang is another that I don't really mm. love. But Funk Forty Number Forty Nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello. How can you not love that? <laughs> right. And right. I also have another one that's a little bit with Robert Palmer. I actually worked that uh, the stuff that was, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole, um, you know, addicted to love, like that whole era. I was working there then. So I wasn't crazy about that. And I wasn't I'm not crazy about like early, early stuff. But I love the Ballad of Johnny and Mary and also looking for clues. I think those are two mm. songs that I just latched like I can latch onto those and really get into especially Johnny and Mary it's a really weird quirky sad and and odd song set to a snappy beat (laughs) so um those are those are three lastly I just want to say something I don't like schmaltzy country I don't, or I don't even know what they call it anymore. Why would they even call it country? It's not country. It's shit pop that just mm-hmm. happens to have some twang to it. Right. And I don't know if I'd exactly lump Keith Urban in with all that, but I don't really like his stuff. But anything that he covers, I just flip <laughs> out for because wow. he's got such a great voice yeah. and he's an amazing guitar player. And yes, he is. If you see, that song that he it was from like some a benefit show he covers with a little help from my friends it's outrageously good it was always oh, for the cma uh, uh festival actually in 2010 i believe it, it it's like it's it's mind-blowing that's all so you have to google it you have to find it hmm. and, and and watch it and listen to it wow I, I I tell you, I saw him. Um, there's there used to be the show on CMT called Crossroads, and it's where mm. a a rock artist 
uh, is influenced by a country artist and they do a show together and they play each other's songs and all this kind of stuff. And I saw one that had John Mayer and Keith Urban and, you know, and I like Keith Urban enough as a, as a, as a dude, he's, he's just, he just seems cool. Um, and John Mayer, you know, I don't know. I've got some John Mayer stories for another time, but, um, they, they did this show together and I watched it and it was good enough. They, they like played a couple of each other songs, but then they just did this long guitar jam where they just played off of each other. And it was so engrossing. Wow. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And when those two just, you know, just tear up a guitar. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. Oh, I want to see that too now. Yeah. You know, speaking of schmaltzy country, this brings me to um, Eddie Rabbit. Um, wow. Who, when you get <laughs> to, when you get to the Americans episode where they play, I love O'Reilly, uh, uh, driving my life away. Mm. You're like, Oh my God. So he basically has driving my life away. And I love a rainy night. And those are like the only two Eddie Rabbit songs you probably ever really need. Yeah. But they, they're not country songs. People are like, oh, he's a great. These, those are not country songs, right? They're like Bob Seger light, right? Um, yes. But they are painfully catchy. And um, damn it, they're earworms. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I've got three artists um, that's a kind of more modern pop artist. So it's kind of out of my wheelhouse anyway. Um, but three songs I really enjoy, one of which actually I would say is a guilty pleasure. So when we do guilty pleasures, I'll bring it up again. And that is Despacito. Um, oh, because, dude, that's a catchy song. That is such a jam. And I'm like, I should really hate this, but I kind of like it. So Luis Fonsi of Despacito, absurdly catchy. <laughs> the next one is an artist who I just everything I've heard about them as a person I think they're an idiot and that's uh, Demi Lovato I'm sorry but wow um, I know she's had her problems but when she's not having her problems she seems like she's willing to jump on whatever bandwagon will get her attention anyway the song she did with Clean Bandit solo is something else that i found really really catchy and again a little bit of a guilty pleasure but really really enjoy that and then last but not least i don't really like miley cyrus um you know for the most part i kind of see what she's doing but it's just not for me however her last album plastic hearts mm. was for the most part really good and there's one song in particular which is a duet with billy idol called night crawling Mm. and it's rocky they <laughs> really play off of each other's kind of husky voices and it's just fantastic and that i think has made it onto several of my kind of year-end playlists and you know best songs of the year from i think it was last year really really good really entertaining and they work really well together yeah there Miley's... was a couple of interesting things on that album yeah she's an interesting pick yeah because <clears throat> mm -hmm. i kind of know what you mean like i I, I know what she's going for. I'm not so crazy about it. But like when I hear sing, sometimes I'm like, wow, that that rocks. You know, I just yeah. it just depends. Well, right. her cover of Heart of Glass, I mean, she does not have mm. the high voice that Debbie Harry had, but she brings it down into her key and yeah. she she absolutely slays it. I really yeah. enjoy that. But yeah, she tends to genre hop a lot. 
and a lot of what she does i just find is just not for me but i think plastic hearts was kind of more my thing yeah lastly um jewel who again i understand she's got a great voice whatever i'm not particularly fond of that whole thing that whole way i don't know that i don't know what you call it that whole way of singing but there's a song called angel standing by on her pieces of you album that is super beautiful just just sort of ethereal and it's really outstanding so i think that's that's my uh pick for jewel yeah if i had thought of that i think i would have put it on my list too that is an exceptional song it really is it's so gorgeous all right um i hope no one stabs me over this but there's a band where I heard one song, I really, really enjoyed it, and went and listened to their other stuff and found there was nothing for me. That band is The Connells, and the song is 7475. Yeah, so great. Connells. <laughs> the Connells. I've never heard is... it said before, um, but that's a great song. Um, you know, really, really, actually, it's, I'd go as far as say it's a beautiful song. Great uh, guitar work, wonderful chorus, full of nostalgia and reminiscing and really enjoyed it tried to listen to the rest of the album just not my jam yeah their records before that they were really really indie and then they kind of that was like their big sellout record and they usually they kind of sound almost southern rock before some of their other stuff it was kind of like yeah interesting but that one that was one of the few things i could listen to you know alternative commercial radio and that would come on i'm like okay i can i can listen to that yeah, they were big in, in the indie kind of alt scene. Yeah, my, my kind of riff on that is um, I, I I literally cannot stand Band of Horses, but that song, The Funeral, they wrote, it's like the first thing they came out with. That is amazing. It's just sad, and it's and it's got this like heavy sort of um, dirge to it in the middle that's really cool, and it comes out of it with this high crescendo. But yeah, they're kind of like the canals after that. It's just kind of like, okay, we're done. Another one I've got that might be controversial for Rob, because I know your love of the Britpop scene. Um, Ocean Color Scene, for the most oh, part. Oh, I'm with you. Go ahead. I find them incredibly, incredibly bland. Yeah. But 100 Mile High City, Yeah, that's a fun rocking track. You know, fast tempo, actually kind of enjoyable chorus. Mm-hmm. It's it's not bland, unlike the rest of their output. And a lot of the, the, you know, they sort of suffered the same problem that a lot of these bands of the Britpop era did is that they did so many great singles that they couldn't make album tracks for the life of them. So, like, if you find a song you like by one of those bands, odd, odds are it's like one or two of them and that's it. So, yeah, you're totally right. I'm kind of that way with Jesus Jones. Um, you know, yeah. doubt, doubt just kind of got got so burned out. But their album Liquidizer before that was was really really interesting. And in a song called Real Real Real, that the original version of that they did was like really this kind of like cool energetic little two and a half minute pop song. It was great. Um, and then it just kind of all went to hell. Although I can't deny right here right now. I mean, or can you? Can you? I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the See, time, I, remember, I, know. I love at the time. Song. If you lived in 1990, whenever it was like, oh my god, this is great. Now it has not weathered well. Um, so you know what else hasn't huh. weathered well, I Stephanie? Know. I don't agree. Okay, yes. What else? Um, uh, is tiny bubbles? <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was bad, right? Um, I had a roommate who 
as much as Alan is devoted to like heart and rush, I had a roommate that was like that, like that level of love for tiny Tim. Oh, wow. Um, That's weird. Like, saw, I, I, I think he saw him 26 times. Live. What? Yeah. So, uh, but like when you listen to that, like, uh, on the good ship lollipop by him, it's sort of like, is this the flaming lips? Is this like, what is this? And even now when I hear it, I'm like, I, I get so caught up in like, what is it? It's so weird, but it's so fucking weird. It's like kind of, kind of, kind of catchy. Right. Um, and it's like, and he wasn't on drugs when he recorded it. So I'm just like, you know, and weirdly enough, I heard it the other day in a grocery store. And it terrified me. It was like a nom flashback. Um, but, wow. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, yeah, I want to I throw that in. And then um, I was going to mention a song by Guns N' Roses, but then I just realized, no, they don't, they don't, they don't get that much love from me. If, if, Guns N Roses made, if Guns N' Roses made records where Axel didn't sing, I would be thrilled. Yeah. My head just blew up. Sorry. Like, like Paradise You're City. You're saying what I, love... I said. Like, yeah. last, was it last yeah. week? Or two it was, yeah. I said that. Yeah, like Paradise City is amazing. But when he starts singing, it's like, eh, I kind of lose interest, right? Um, Wrong. The, <laughs> the good news, Rob, is there's a band for you there called Velvet Revolver. Yeah, they're right. not bad. Yeah, they're not bad. Right. You know, in, in, in an alternative universe, Velvet Revolver and Tin Machine are touring together. Um, Dude, I would see that show and never leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the other one I'm gonna pick, uh, I'm gonna pick two other qu quick ones. Um, I'm not really a crazy fan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, that first album though is is really remarkable. Um, and Gish off that thing is is just great with the drums and the way it stops and starts. Um, and it's just somewhere somewhere they just kind of lost me, right? But like that song Gish at a time when everyone was making grunge record just managed to completely stand out. Um, so I wanted to talk about that. And then the other one is Paper Planes by MIA. Um, you know, when I first heard MIA, I'm like, okay, she's got a ton of promise. She's doing something like completely different. This sounds like nothing else. And then, you know, Paper Planes is just the way it uses samples, the way it goes. And then everything else after that is just, it's just kind of there, right? It's kind of like, okay, I blew all, all of my inspiration on four minutes and 34 seconds and I'm done. I don't have anything else in the tank. I want to jump on Smashing Pumpkins because generally I can't stand them. Um, after I got divorced, the first lady I dated was an obsessive Smashing Pumpkin fan. She had lyrics tattooed on her ribs and hey, all, I had like one of those. That, all that kind of level. Um, for the most part, just not for me, but I really like Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Maybe mm. that's my slightly rockier um, preference, the fact that that is one of their heavier songs that I really enjoyed. Um, but for the most part, I just think I can't stand Corgan's voice. It's the Asperger's effect. That's yeah. exactly where it is for me. That too. and the way that he treated the women in the band. I think for yeah. me are the other two things. Yeah. You know I that I work know. with, you know, I worked at some of those records, right? And um, Yes. And do you know, do you know the great... Sharon Osborne, um, she, you know, she was their manager. Can I tell yes. the story or no? I, I, I know this story. story. I, I told you, I told it already. Uh, oh, is this no, the, um, 
Oh, okay. She quit for health reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... I'll sh- I did tell it then. No, Try she's not... mentioned no. it in interviews, but please oh. tell it for anyone who hasn't heard it. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So I, I just couldn't stand their music, except that I liked, like, there was like one or two songs on 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 an album maybe I liked. I, I, but there, I, I didn't understand their whole thing. But, um, it, and so Sharon was managing them. And and one time I actually had to call their house and Ozzy answered, this is my, my main story, but Ozzy answered. And and literally he was like, Sharon! Sharon <laughs> yep. So anyway, but Sharon um, decided she couldn't manage them anymore. And so she wrote a press release that was like, um, you know, I'm sorry to say that I will not be managing or, you know, working with Smashing Pumpkins anymore. Um, for health reasons, she said, Billy Corgan makes me sick. Nice. Like, so genius. She <laughs> put like that in the press, press release? release ever. Yes, she did. That is amazing. <laughs> there's, wow. there's, speaking of terrible human beings, there's one I want to bring up as someone whose music I used to really enjoy. And this artist turned out to be just an awful, awful human. Um, and for the most part, I have managed to remove all of his music from my playlists, from my regular listening. There's one song that I make an exception for. And the artist I'm talking about is Marilyn Manson. Yeah. If you don't know what he's done, look him up. Mm-hmm. Lots of controversy there. He He's treated some women very, very horribly. I guess it, it's no surprise, actually, really, when you think about it. But he did a cover of bowie's cat people with shooter jennings i mean shooter is really the the lead artist on that record and he brought in marilyn manson to sing but it's such a good cover and i kind of justify it to myself in that most of any royalties from plays will be going to shooter jennings and to bowie's estate before marilyn sees you know whatever percentage of a penny he gets per stream that i have but um I, I just really enjoy that song. And again, I feel guilty about it because it's not a guilty pleasure. I feel guilty about it because he's a terrible human right. being. Right. Um, but it's such a good cover. <laughs> I met <sighs> Shooter. Uh, he came to Dragon Con what, oh, five, yeah. four or five years ago. And I met, I got to talk to him for a little while and he was just the coolest dude. Yeah, and he seems to. Yeah, he's currently touring in Brandy Carlisle's band. He's the pianist in her band. Yeah, I know. That's unexpected. Right. Exactly. Um, So this has been fun. Thank you all for a a really awesome discussion. Um, So, Anthony, where can people find more of you if they want to find more of you on the Internet? As usual, you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast. We are watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 until now. And we are dragging out the end of the John Pertwee era in 1974. We've just released a bonus episode. We're going to release our final era retrospective uh, next week. Um, So as usual, you can find us on all of the usual podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., and additionally probably where you're also listening to this one um also check us out on social media uh facebook twitter and instagram at at watches 4d nice rob how about you uh so you can find me on uh the radio probably through the internet though um at kdhx which is kdhx.org on the web 
Um, I host a show called Juxtaposition. It's on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 Central. And if you have a life, like I'm sure everyone does, um, all the shows on the station are archived for two weeks. Uh, so you can just look up, look that up or any of the other shows you want to check out and listen to an archive uh, edition of it anywhere. So you can listen to it, you know, wherever and whenever you want. And um, you can find me there. And also um, I do the uh, needcoffee.com podcast Weekend Justice. And uh, yeah, that's it. Stephanie. You can find me on Bandcamp, just under my name, Stephanie Seymour. Um, you can find me at my website, therearebirds.com. And I never, I always forget to say these, but you can find me on Facebook at my Facebook page, which is Stephanie Seymour Music, and Instagram at all lowercase, there underscore are underscore birds. There are birds. Um, and then like, you know, all the streaming platforms. Nice. So I've got my little publishing company, cosmicpress.com, that you can find at kozmicpress.com and another podcast that I do called Earth Station Trek, all about Star Trek. All right, so that's it for us this week. We have a great show coming up next week. Unfortunately, Rob won't be with us. He'll be out of town, out seeing the world. <laughs> but we have a special guest that will be joining us. Ira Elliott, the drummer from Not A Surf, which I'm really excited to meet him. I've never met him. And we are going to be talking about what makes a great drummer. So we'll see you in a week. Everybody take care, be good to each other, and rock on. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.